Well, how are you guys this morning? Good crowd. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. And it's always good to be with our friends. Now, you know what? I am going to be talking before we pray this morning. I'm going to be talking about knowing God. And, you know, when you know God, guess what? You have to be around him. You have to communicate with him, and you start thinking like him when you know him. Well, the same thing happens uh, in your natural life. When you know somebody and you're around them, you start thinking like them. Come on up here, Brenda, so y'all can see right now. What can we say? Yeah. Take my picture. Yes. Take the picture. You ready? Take a picture. Take a picture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is a picture moment. Yes. <laughs> Here she's gonna take a picture. <laughs> when I walked in this morning, it's oh she just started laughing. Well, what can we say? It wasn't planned. You know, it's really, really kinda interesting because we were up and just recently we were up in Michigan at a church. And uh, so um, they had they had an LED screen behind, and so they had put together this picture. They'd taken it off of I guess off of our website. It was a picture of my husband, a picture of me, and it was advertising the. It was Crusade at that time. It's conference now, and so we walked in um, after they were already singing. I look up there at this picture. My husband has on the same shirt that that was in my picture. It's like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my, my, my. Anyway, hey, it's good to have fun, right? Yeah. You know, um, as we said last night, we've known the Thomases for a long, long time. If they hadn't both come to Rhema, they probably would not have met. Yeah. And, um, of course, Brenda comes from the same Pentecostal background that I do. So we do think a lot. We do act a lot alike. Right. And we apparently dress a lot. Now, we have different shoes on, so I guess it's okay. All right. Well, you know, in life... In our natural life, we uh, navigate through seasons, right? And how you navigate those seasons depends on really um, how much you prepare for them, how much you enjoy them, and how much you learn from them. I know that, you know, how many of you would like to be, be a teenager again? I didn't think so. I'd never get any responses of yes and that. I wouldn't either. Oh, my goodness. I did not like my teenage years. Yeah, too much drama. Too much drama. And then, of course, for those of us that uh, got married, uh, then there is the newlywed season. Anybody that's married want to go back to the newlywed season? I didn't think so. Oh, my goodness, we thought, you know, if this five years doesn't end, you know, it's like trying to get acquainted with each other, trying to learn, you know, the habits, et cetera, et cetera. And then we go through the, the children's season and the infant season. Oh, my goodness, I didn't like that season either. Never got any sleep. Yeah, never got any sleep. And then I enjoyed them as they were growing up, but then... We come to, as I am now, as my husband and I are, the, they call it the empty nest syndrome. I don't know why they call it the empty nest syndrome. I call it the empty nest deliverance. <laughs> For once, I can just think about myself. I don't have to be concerned, you know, with with others, and uh, but it's important that some people never really effectively navigate through those seasons. They try to stay in the season that I guess they enjoyed. I know my uh, daughter and her husband now have 
are have now the empty nest, you know, season, and um, so thankfully they look to us as example. You know, we need to look to others as example. And they said, man, you know, mom, she said, we we got to find some things that we just enjoy doing together. And that's very, very important. You know, as you navigate life in, I didn't think I was going to talk about a marriage conference, but maybe <laughs> maybe it's a, a living faith marriage conference. No. And, um, but it is important that um, as you you know, as you navigate through every season that you enjoy that season, that you're productive in that season, but that you embrace the next season. I know that as we came to the season that we're in now, it's like, oh my goodness, we've got to do some things together. How can we do that? Because um, my husband... He has three categories, the Bible, the military, and sports. <laughs> well, we have the Bible in common, but I've never been in the military, and sports, oh my goodness. If you throw a ball at me, I'm going to close my eyes and try to catch it. Yeah. So it's like, oh my goodness, what do we do? Well... Make a long story short, you know, I decided, okay, it's going to have to be something sports. So maybe because I could play miniature golf. <laughs> and so the ball goes that way. And that was my husband's worst sport. So it's like, okay, maybe we could do that, you know, together. And I, I will never forget this. I'm going to talk about Brenda. I will never forget this is that we were at a retreat, and Brenda uh, and some other ladies, uh, they had started golfing, because their husbands golf, you know, and they had taken lessons. And so they said to me, come on, you know, play with us. And I said, no, I, I, you know, I've never done this. And uh, so I'll just ride the cart while y'all play. Well, I want to tell you, they inspired me. And the reason they inspired me, when they started playing... The ball didn't go very far. And I thought, if they've taken lessons and they're this bad, <laughs> we go a long way back. Uh, <laughs> and we laugh together. And um, I thought, maybe I can do that too. So, you know, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> took up, we took up golf. But you know what? We do need to navigate the seasons. But guess what? In the spiritual life, there are seasons. And I don't know about you, but I believe that we are in the season of the last days. Let's turn over to Matthew 24. You know, it's important that if we just read the Word of God, we will not, you know, we will not be distraught. Because it gives us instructions on every season that we are going to navigate spiritually. Over in Matthew 23, the disciples, Jesus was about to leave this earth. And, and of course, I'm quite sure we would be the same way. The disciples were distraught. Oh, Jesus, what are we going to do? You're going to leave. And, and we've always just asked you whatever we needed, answers to what are we going to do? And how are we going to know? And he says, well, I'm going to return. And so how are we going to know that? And so he gave them instructions. Verse 3 says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the signs of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. So that's the first, you know, first instruction. Take heed that no man deceive you. And it goes on later on and talks about that there will be many that shall come that shall be deceptive. Okay, but let's go. It says, You shall be here of, for many shall come in my name, saying, I'm Christ and shall deceive many. 
So guess what that tells me? If we can be deceived, then we have to draw closer to the Lord because the Holy Spirit is there to lead us, to guide us, to direct us, to show us things to come, and to alert us for deception. For deception. And so, instructions. Many shall come in my name, saying my Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. Yeah. I mean, wars. Rumors of wars. But guess what? We don't have to be troubled. We don't have to be distraught about it. It says... For, see that you not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. You know, we say, oh, we, that we wish that, you know, Jesus would come back. Well, he said all these things have to happen before Jesus can return. So we don't need to be troubled. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines. Now, I don't know about you, but so many times, you know, we put our own interpretation of what things are, right? I mean, when I would think of famines, I would think of Joseph, you know, and how they stored up things. But I didn't ever think that we would experience a famine, But guess what? Over the last several years, we experienced a famine of toilet paper. (laughs) Of paper towels. Of cream of mushroom soup. (laughs) I don't know about y'all, but oh my goodness, cream of chicken soup. And then down there, we, we... eat a lot of Mexican food, and you couldn't find enchilada sauce. You couldn't find any of these things. <laughs> Y'all, that's a famine. And it was a famine of me being able to eat out. I had to cook. Oh, my goodness. I hung up that, you know, when I got into the empty nest deliverance, except for... Holidays. So we've experienced famines. I mean, I still, I I guess that I have been preparing for that for many years. Because my daughter says, mother is like Noah. She always gets at least two of everything that she buys. (laughs) Well, after the famine, I started getting four. I doubled it. You look in my storage closet, and I've got toilet paper there. I've got paper towels. But guess what? My kids come over. They laugh, but they come over and steal my stuff. It says, there shall be famines and pestilences. And, of course, you all know about earthquakes. But pestilence, I looked up that, the definition of pestilence. And this is what the definition is. A contagious or infecting disease that is virulent and devastating. I thought, wow. This was predicted. And, of course, you know, we call it an epidemic. Well, then I looked up what the epidemic is. An outbreak of disease that spreads quickly and affects many individuals at the same time. Wow. Yeah. This was foretold many, many years ago. And it says, there shall be famines and assistance and earthquakes. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And then it talks about they're going to deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and you know what? Christians are the worst. It's horrible. 
Christians are the worst and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But, but, we have a promise here. But he that shall endure until the end shall be saved. Shall be saved. And then, of course, our assignment and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And then shall the end come. Well, guess what? We have assignments, guys. Now, over in 2 Timothy 3, Starting with verse 1, I want to read this in the New Living Translation. Paul was also warning Timothy and telling Timothy about the last days. And he said this, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, You should also know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. In the last days there will be very difficult difficult times well you know what in the natural whenever we are warned of difficult times what do we do we prepare for it right now I don't know how y'all prepare for earthquakes I don't know how you can prepare for earthquakes you gotta have a kit I know that when when uh, we get tornado alerts, we have tornadoes, you know, we prepare for it. You know, we prepare for it to, to make sure, you know, but so, well, the first thing we do is pray. This can't come near us, you know, but can't overtake us, can't harm us. But then there are things in the natural that we should do, you know. You just don't be stupid and not... Repair in the natural. But when there are going to be difficult times, we prepare. Now, how do we prepare in the spirit? Well, let's turn over to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. Paul told Timothy this. Ephesians 6. This is some of my favorite scriptures. And you know, always the Lord will bring scriptures to you that will help you whenever you need them. The word says, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so it's so important to read the word, to hide the word in your heart, and to listen to your spirit. Starting with verse 10, it says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You know, some people try to be strong in themselves. There's no way that we can be strong in ourselves. There's no way. God has assignments for every one of us. But guess what? We cannot do them in our own ability. And what happens is that's what you try to do. And you get stressed out. You get distraught. You get discouraged, you get depressed because you're trying to do it in your own ability. We can't do that. I took the scripture, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things, how? Through Christ, who strengtheneth me. And so we must be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You know, that's the one thing that I always taught My kids, hey, listen, God is there for you all the time. The name of Jesus has the power that you need to get you through anything. And it's so important for that foundation in the word of God. Verse 11 says, put on all of God's armor 
so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Do you realize that the devil hates you? You are his worst enemy. And so, therefore, he is going to try to destroy you. It's important not to let him destroy you. I say it this way. My dad told me I was a very stubborn child. <laughs> you can believe that. <laughs> yeah. He said, even at two, you had a mind of your own. And I don't know what he was trying to do or correct me at two, but he said, I finally realized, hey, you know, I could, back then you could, you know, spank kids. He said, I could beat you to death and you're still going to do what you want to do. <laughs> well, let me tell you, if God put that stubbornness in me, it was for a reason. Yeah. And all of those traits that we have, if we use them in the positive instead of the negative, then they work for us, not against us. So, when the enemy comes and tries to destroy me or keep me from accomplishing what God has that I know God has for me, guess what? You just hide and watch, devil. You can't defeat me. And as my husband says, I cannot be defeated, and I will not quit. Yeah. I know that my youngest grandson, well, I think all my grandsons are stubborn. But anyway, my youngest grandson, Wesley, is the only one that will admit it. And uh, when he was like four years of age, he's 18 now in college, but um, one day his mom was really frustrated at him, and she said, Wesley, you are so stubborn. And he said, Mommy, what does stubborn mean? And she said, that's when you make up your mind about something and nothing or no one can change it. He looked up at her with that little twinkle in his eye and he said, oh, yeah, I got a lot of stubborn. I got a lot of stubborn. Well, it's okay to have a lot of stubborn against the enemy. So we must be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. He said, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And I want to tell you what, those evil spirits are everywhere, y'all. Never thought they would be so strong in the United States of America. But guess what? We have the power over them. Oh, my passe. We have the power over them. Woo! Even in the darkest place. I know that before this, um, before this meeting, we, ha we have a prayer meeting at... Um, among the rainbow students called Revive. And so my daughter was conducting it this past Wednesday, and I said, pray for our crusades. Pray for our crusades. We're about to go to a conference. Pray for our conference. I'm sorry, guys. When you've said something for 20 years, it's really difficult to change it. Sorry, Skylar. Um, but anyway, I said, pray for our conference. And so she told me afterwards, she says, Mom, she said, oh, my goodness because I wasn't there. She said, oh, my goodness. She said, we particularly had an unction to pray for Hayward. Woo! Yes. Oh, I believe that those powers, those strong powers of darkness are going to be broken. Woo! But I want to tell you what. It takes us praying takes us praying. We have the authority. 
in the name of Jesus. Verse 13, so therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be standing what? You will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all this, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I want to get to this. Pray in the Spirit. Just a few times. No. <coughs> Excuse me. Pray in the Spirit. When? At all times, and what on every what? And on every occasion, stay alert and be what? Persistent in your prayers. For all believers everywhere. Pray in the Spirit. At all times and on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And then Paul says, and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right word so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. Listen, we have the good news. And there is a world out there that is hurting. They don't realize how bad they're hurting. And I mean, you know, almost on a, at least on a weekly basis, you read the news, somebody committing suicide. And yet we have the answer. We have the answer. But we must stay alert and pray at all times. Why do we need to pray at all times? So that we can be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Because you see, we have assignments. Every one of us, every one of you, have assignments for God. You know, some people think, oh, it's just those that are in the pulpit ministry. No. God has assignments for you every day. But so many times we miss those assignments because guess what? We are so focused in on what we need to do or what we want to do in the natural that the Holy Spirit is trying to tap on us and yet we're not sensitive to him because we haven't been connecting with him. Being connecting. You know, I, all of us live in a busy world, right? Multiple things to do. And I, I would hear people say, Oh, yeah, you know, I, I pray. First thing I do every morning is pray, and I, I pray an hour before I do anything else. Well, I want to tell you, I, I'm thankful that they did, but it put me under condemnation. <laughs> I'm just going to free y'all, right? Aren't you glad I'm just going to make you free? And so... I thought, oh my goodness, you know, I, I don't know how, well, first of all, you know, if you're just praying just because you need to pray for an hour, it's probably not effective prayer. Because you're probably doing, I'm just practical, okay? Because you're probably doing, I grew up in Pentecost and I saw this so much, you're probably watching and praying, Oh, you're very biblical. I promise to pray an hour every day. That was my resolution for the new year. It's only been five minutes. 
right? I know. And um, so, but, you know, if you're just praying just to commit that you prayed for an hour, that's not very effective praying. And I want to pray effectively. And I want to be in tune with God at all times. And so I, I'm one of these, okay, i got to figure this out. But guess what? The only person that I knew that could help me figure that out was my Heavenly Father. You see, I grew up in a pastor's home. And, you know, a PK, as we call him, a preacher's kid, I, everybody was looking at you. And anything that you said or do or did could be criticized. And so I withdrew. I mean, I would not express my opinion to anybody. And I would not, you know, let anybody know my thoughts because they might criticize me. And so any time that I had any issue, I went to the one that could solve my issues even as a young child, and that was my Heavenly Father. So you see, I developed a relationship with my father as a child. And I saw him answer. So I go to him for everything. And so I said, God, you know, I, I want to stay. I know that in, in, in the situation, I mean, in the times that I was in at that particular time, it's like, oh, man, i got to make sure that I can hear your voice at all times. So how do I do that? So, this is the way he led me. Uh, He may lead you different ways, but this is the way he led me. Well, first of all, you know, in order to stay connected with the Lord, you've got to get your mind and your thoughts off of yourself and on him. The way that I do that is I have worship music going all the time. In fact, in the hotel room, the first thing I did, got out my iPad, iPod, got out my speakers, put on my worship music. I love you, Lord. That puts me in an attitude to hear from him. That goes on 24 hours a day. When we're not home, that music is still on in our house. And if our dog is there, no, it just makes him so pe- her so peaceful. <laughs> Do you realize how music will affect you? I have always, I mean, before, you know, before DVDs, be- I mean, before cassettes, before 8-tracks, before ever, all that, there were vinyls. Anybody know what vinyls were? A record player. I had a stack that big of records. I still have them. I hoard everything. Um, Still have a record player. And I would keep those going all day long in the house. When the kids, you know, were young, I always wanted their friends to be over my house. Guess what? They were always peaceful because I had, you know, Christian music going all the time. In fact, one of the parents said, you know, Michael is so peaceful when he comes home and he's singing these songs I don't even recognize. (laughs) It's getting in your spirit. Getting in your spirit. And so I do that. The first thing I do in the morning, I mean, my music is going on and the first thing, because I I don't like mornings. Do y'all like mornings? No. I don't like mornings. Yeah. And so I have to say, this is the day that the Lord will has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I like mornings if it's 2 o'clock in the morning, not 6. And um, I've always been one I like nights better than mornings. And, but then, guess what? I've got to get ready. got to go to work. And so I have what I call prayer stations. I have prayer stations. And I have particular things that I pray for in my getting ready. You know? I mean, and, and getting in the shower, I pray for my family. I call every one of their names. And now it's taking longer because I have 
You know, these are great grandkids. I have longer showers now, you know? I thank you, Father, that every cell in their body functions normally, every organ in their body functions normally, their blood functions normally, every muscle, every nerve functions normally. They are all well, healthy, whole, perfect, normal in every way. No evil shall overtake them. No plague shall come nigh them. And with long life, Lord, over a hundred years, will you satisfy us and show us your salvation. I have been saying that for... 50 years. Every day. Every day. Every day. And I pray about other things for them. And then I go to my makeup station. Oh, Lord, do I ever really pray there. (laughs) If we look alike, it's because we wear the same makeup. (laughs) Same creams. Same creams. Yeah. Anyway. And so at that particular time, you know, I am pouring out my request. Oh, God, I need answers to this. Here's the situation. I need, I, I need an answer. I pour out my heart. He said, hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. What? Ask and what? Receive that your what? Joy may be So I bring my request. And then after that, I say, okay, God, you know, uh, may I be sensitive to hear your voice today. Help me if you have assignments for me today. Speak really strong, God. Help me to recognize those. And when I was first learning to hear his voice, I would say, God, I I really do need you to speak really strong. Now, after a while, you know, when you get acquainted with his voice, you better listen a little bit better because he doesn't speak quite as strong. And let me tell you this. If after a while you know that it's his voice, and if you override that, The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's going to quit talking to you. I mean, there have been times that, and you say, how do you hear his voice? Well, this is the way I hear his voice. Have you ever, at times in your life, whatever it was, simple things, like, okay, say this. I know there's a lot of traffic here. And... You know, before GPS, did you, you know, as you were about to get on a freeway, something on the inside said, oh, I think I would go a different way. And what you do? You ignored it, and you went that way, and you got in a lot of traffic. There was an accident. You see, that was the Holy Ghost trying to lead you, trying to guide you. I told you I'm real practical. Trying to guide you every day of your life. Just in natural things. And you're not recognizing his voice. You're not recognizing, you know, his voice. And so I ask him, okay, God, if you've got assignments, let me know. When I'm in the car, it takes me about 20 minutes to go to work. I am talking to him. So, by the time I get to work, I haven't just prayed an hour. I've prayed an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. But I've done other things. You know, I'm getting ready. But, you know, I mean, my husband knows that in the morning you don't talk to me because I'm talking to God. And he's talking to me. Now, One more thing about this is the fact that I told you that I ask whatever I need. Well, in Pentecost, you know, I would hear people say, well, I prayed about something and the Lord told me this. And in my own inside, I thought, oh, Holy Ghost didn't tell you that. even goes against, you know, his principles. So, once again, I said to God, God, 
you know, I don't want to miss it. And I've seen the flesh. So, you know, help me to know that when I make decisions or whatever, or you're talking to me, that I know it's you and not me. So, you know, so this is, this is how that worked. It may not work this way for you. I'm just giving you examples of how it works for me. So I bring my request to the Lord. But if he were to give me the answer right then, which that's what people would say, oh, well, I prayed, you know, oh, praise God, he gave me that answer just immediately. That's why I questioned, was it really God? God, is, uh, God doesn't answer that quick. And so as I bring my request to God, then, you know, I really forget about it. And I really, if I'm thinking about it, it's like, oh, thank you, Lord. I thank you that you've given me the answer to that. Now, it could be several days later. It could be several weeks later. It could be several months. You see, I've, I've asked God, and I expect him to give me that answer when it is time for that answer. This is how he's always given me an answer. Here I am in my time, I'm just at this particular time after, I'm just praising God. Oh, God, I love you. Just give me assignments or whatever. All of a sudden, God seems to always answer me with a question. You know, Jesus always answered those that he had questions with a question. You know, Pharisees and all those, he always answered them with a question. And as I'm just, you know, just basking in his presence, all of a sudden I will hear, have you ever thought and just give me the Now, this was a plan. I mean, as he's giving me this, one of the reasons I know that it is God because I had never thought about that. Yeah, just like I had never thought about famines being about toilet paper. So I know that it has to be an answer from God because I, it's not in my thoughts. It's not in my thoughts. God said his thoughts are far higher than my thoughts. Now, assignments, assignments, and then we're going to pray about assignments. Assignments. This has been years ago. And it was during our uh, summer camp meeting, busy time at that particular time. I was in charge of all of the hospitality for the special guest. I was in charge of cooking the food. Yeah. Getting everything ready for entertainment after the service. (coughs) Excuse me. And, you know, during that time, many ministers come and we do a lot of entertainment. Uh, that was when Brother Hagen was still alive. And so I'm busy doing that. And we had an exhibit hall. This was downtown Tulsa. We had an exhibit hall. And so there were some people there that uh, they were um, friends of ours. But the brother of the friends of ours, it was the wife's brother, you know, I'd seen him occasionally, but and I knew them from far back, but I hadn't seen him for a while, and he came to camp meeting with his sister and brother-in-law. And so, you know, they the night before, they were in our suite, and we were, and they said, well, we've got to go back to, they lived in the Dallas area, we've got to go back to Dallas tomorrow. And we said, bye, you know, thank you for coming, bye, 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 and that was the end. So the next day, I'm in the exhibit hall, and it was lunchtime, and we had plans for taking out some people to lunch. And all of a sudden, when I was in the exhibit hall where the books and everything, what the products were, I saw the sister, and I saw the wife and her brother walking in the exhibit hall. I called her name, and I said, I thought you left. And so... The um, wife says, well, we were, in fact, my luggage is already on the plane, but my brother said, I haven't received what I need to receive 
got to go back. I've got to go back. When she said, when she said what he said, all of a sudden it was like, boom. You know? And it's like God said to me, this is your assignment. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. I don't even know what he needed. I don't even know anything. I haven't seen him in years. But I knew that it was an assignment. And so I and so during those times, and you know, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you like that, there is a boldness that's not your normal self. Yeah. And it's like over in Matthew where it, you know, um, Jesus was talking about the disciples would be brought before the scribes and everything, and he said, don't think about what you're going to say because the Holy Ghost will say it for you. Just open your mouth. I just opened my mouth. And the words I heard was, come go to lunch with us. And they said, well, I know you have plans with people, you know. No. I said, no, that's okay. We've got people coming, but you go to lunch with us. So I increased the reservations. And so, and my husband knows, listen, when, I, when God has me on one of these assignments, he just, yeah, he just ignores me. Okay, yeah. She's really going to be given orders, but they're, but they're Holy Ghost orders, you know. Those orders are okay. And so we got there, and I said, you sit right here by me. So I said, okay, I'll sit right by you. And my husband was on one side, he's on the other side. And so now we start talking. I don't even know what I'm saying. I really don't even remember what I said. Well, you know, when the Holy Ghost is talking through you, you don't remember what you say. Because it's not you speaking, it's the Holy Ghost speaking. Can't tell you how many times that, you know, one-on-one is probably the best evangelism that anybody can do. And so, all of a sudden, all I can remember is this. All of a sudden, I said, you've even contemplated taking your life. It's like, oh my goodness. When I said that, something on the inside of him broke and he started crying. He started crying. And so, you know, to make a long story short, I and now this person had previously been in ministry, but things had happened and they told people, you know, these religious people told me, okay, you know, you can't ever be in ministry again, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and he had graduated from Bible school, he, you know, and he had graduated from, he had an English degree and all these things. And, and but the next thing I heard is, you need to come to Ramah. Now, he was also a preacher's kid. And I know preacher's kids. And so he shook his head yes. The Holy Spirit said he's shaking his head yes. But he, on the inside he's saying, no, there's no way I'm going to do that. I'm thinking, I, I'm desperate. He's got to come. The next thing I heard the Spirit say is, but he values money. If you will take him out, to find an apartment, he puts down, he puts down a deposit, he will come to Ramah. So I said to listen, you know, I'm gonna scholarship you, your tuition is paid. We're gonna go we me and your sister's gonna go look for an apartment. This is camp meeting. I'm in charge of food. <laughs> and besides that it was raining and I had on new shoes. And I hate rain. but you better obey the Holy Ghost. And so I said, we're going. And as we were driving, I'm thinking, I don't know where any apartments are. I've never rented an apartment here. But the Holy Ghost does. Holy Ghost does. So anyway, to make a long story short, rented an apartment. He came to Ramah. Now, I did not know that Though his life would be changed, he's now a pastor's 
in, in the Dallas area. I did not know that his life was going to be changed, but I did not know that also God had things planned in our life that he was preparing the way for that I had no idea. Because you see, he and his sisters, they traveled, and he had perfect pitch music. I mean, music was his thing. I had no idea that was July. I had no idea because my husband had not told me that the Lord had been dealing with him about starting Rhema Bible Church. I had no idea of that. But when the Lord, when my husband told me that after camp meeting, he says, God's been dealing, we've got to start Rhema Bible Church. We started in October. Guess what? This particular person was our first worship leader. As I was taking care of God's assignments, he was taking care of one of the most important positions that I, we were going to need in that church. God has assignments for you. And I think back now, oh my goodness, and had I not listened, had I let my head get in the way and say, I'm sorry, i got to turn him over to somebody else. You know, I'm sorry, He's maybe he'll get something from the preaching. I don't know. I've got, I'm Martha. i got to get busy with my cooking. <laughs> what would have happened? Let's all stand up.